was so valuable, I kept it throughout my career and used it throughout my career. And that was, it's important for you to take the time to learn the job from the grassroots and actually do the job. And it does a couple things for you. A, it gives you credibility, but B, it shows the respect to those individuals doing the job that you care enough about understanding what they do, that you're willing to take the time to learn it. And so I became a driver, or was a very good driver. And so when I became a full-time supervisor and had to manage other drivers or manage other people inside the organization, I understood what was going on inside the organization because I did the job. I understood how to deliver a package, which was our primary business at the time at UPS. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, today's guest, Rocky Romanella, has written the book, Tighten the Lug Nuts. Now, we'll get into that in a little bit. And Rocky really has a 36-year history as an executive with UPS, including being president of the supply chain and the retail division. So lots of experience, plus his new book, on really talking about a lot of the things that we mention here at CRG, and that is, are you clear about your purpose? Do you know your direction? Do you know what you stand for? So I just want to encourage you that, you know, have you considered that there's another level for you to gain clarity? Because none of us ever get there. We're always working on it. That's why continuous learning is a must. That's why, you know, all of us listen to, or obviously you and myself listen to podcasts on an ongoing basis because you know what, there are some insights, gems, even if it's just one in a show that take us to the next level. So my encouragement, if you've never completed our personal style indicator, which is our number one tool, which is uh, also the number one rated personality assessment by those who take it and compare it to the other tools that they have taken. So that's available for you, but we also have the brand new e-course, Why Aren't You More Like Me, based on my book of the same name. So think about that as a way to take yourself to the next level. And of course, the e-course has five hours of video to be able to transform you, all the in-depth sort of uh, thoughts, you get the online assessment with, with that. And then one final note, for those of you that are professional developers, in both internal and external, we do have a three-day certification called Professional Mastery and Assessment Certification. And so we take you through the 10 uh, assessments and 12 reports that we have available here at CRG. Now, here's my encouragement, is that thank you again for listening. If you like what we're doing, pass it on, let out somebody else know about it, leave a positive review in whatever format that you are listening in. And if you have any comments or people that you would like us to have on the show, just let us know as, as part of it. As we move into our fourth year, I can't believe that. You know, where did the time go with all the different hundreds of guests that we have interviewed and just you listening at different times? We very much appreciate it. So thank you again. And so here's our interview with Rocky Romanella. Welcome to the Secrets of Success podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Well, we're privileged today to have an expert around processes, systems, leadership, engagement. And, you know, he really has a track record of over 36 years of working with a Fortune 500 company in a senior role as a president. He has a, a new book out called Tighten the Lug Nuts. Now, of course, we'll get into that in the second half of the show. But welcome, Rocky Romanella, to the show. Rocky, welcome to the show. 
Well, Dr. Ken, it's a pleasure to be on the show with you. Well, as a fellow keynote speaker and trainer, uh, I know that you're going to bring lots of energy to the individuals out there. So you've got this new book out, and we'll come to that here in a moment. But uh, what we'd like to do is sort of have your journey or story to start with. So give us a bit of your history as far as, you know, where's your heritage from, your parents uh, as a teenager, some of the things that experiences you had that contributed to your journey. Well, Dr. Ken, thanks for asking. It's very thoughtful. Uh, So grew up in New Jersey, born in Manhattan. Uh, My dad came from Italy uh, when he was 14, so he wanted a little bit more space. And so we moved to Jersey. We lived in a two-family house. Uh, My aunt, my uncle, my grandmother, and Nonna lived downstairs, and uh, we lived upstairs, and uh, four of us uh, grew up there. It's funny. I never thought the house was small by any stretch of the imagination, and now I look at one bathroom and about uh, 900 square feet, and I'm thinking, how do we ever all four of us and my mom and dad (laughs) live there? But uh, Just didn't know any different, right? It was a great place to live. It was wonderful. You know, it was my family and my friends, and so it was a great place there. So uh, a great town, Woodbridge, New Jersey. So uh, my dad was working in Manhattan, and he went, uh, took the took the bus every day into the city for over 45 years in a tool and die shop so and my dad you know when we, we i know we'll talk about the book a little bit later on but in many ways the book is uh you know a, a way for me to recognize all the wonderful things my dad taught me as a child growing up and in my adult life my wife debbie's been such an important part of my life and such a big influence on me but you know my dad was such a great influence on me growing up and i think about You know, for example, I started working at UPS uh, at a high school, and my dad told me two things when I started the job there that has stuck with me throughout my life and career. He said, the first thing he told me, he said, hey, whatever they ask you to do, just say yes and thank you. And then he told me, learn your job and learn some more. And those two things stuck with me. Hang on. um, I just want to stop you there because you get these nuggets. Society today, in a lot of cases, yes and thank you is not sort of how people respond. You know, recently we've had some experience with individuals. That's not what they were responding to. They didn't get what they want, and so they're whining, complaining. Um, what do you say to that? Well, I say, you know, simple acts of kindness are still such an important part of who you are as a person and especially who you are as a leader. And I know you talk about that often, about grateful and thankful. And if you think about it, I mean, that's leadership, right? You want, you're, you're trying to inspire people to do things that they never have done before, maybe. And so either that is in a group setting or as an individual, as their mentor, role model or potential coach. You're inspiring them to do things that they may never have thought they could do before. And a lot of that comes from the reinforcement. That reinforcement comes from please, thank you. Uh, it's the respect that you give them that in turn is the respect they give you. Mm-hmm. Well, it's interesting. A lot of times I think some people miss that point where you get back what you give. And if you're demanding and difficult to deal with and drama-ridden, uh, ridden, it's surprising that they don't get the fact that they contributed to their own condition. That's true. And think about this for a second, Dr. Ken. So you and I both have heard many people over the course of our careers at every, you know, at every generation say, you know, in order for you to grow and develop, you're going to have to stretch yourself or put yourself in that uncomfortable position. Right. I mean, we've all heard everybody say that. I think every generation, regardless you know, who you are, believes that to be the case if you're going to grow and develop and stretch yourself. Well, well, isn't that the same thing as what my dad said in, in his way of saying, whatever they ask you to do, say yes and thank you? There were many times along the way I may not have felt ready for that next promotion or that next responsibility, but over my shoulder I heard my dad say, yeah, whatever they ask you to do, say yes and thank you. And so that was 
my way of stretching myself, right? It's like, okay, I'm not even going to think about it. It's yes and thank you, move on. Well, every generation does that when they stretch themselves and put themselves in that uncomfortable position. So I think in many ways, it's the yes and thank you that people believe they're being subservient. That's not true at all. You're just, you're just, you're showing the the that 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 character of being polite and respectful mm. and people with dignity and respect. Well, you 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 mentioned a word that's very very important, and that is this whole idea of character and how critical that is. And you know, one of my colleagues, which was kind enough to be next door to you, where I was invited to New York to do some coaching with training with Marshall Goldsmith. And he said one of the things in his coaching says you can never train integrity. So that character is just so important. Yet I think a lot of people miss that or are just not aware they're not bringing that. So what were some of the other things, Rocky? And thank you for sharing that. What were some of the other things, Rocky, that your dad was instilling you as a young person at that time that started to contribute to your career journey that the listeners could benefit from? Well, of course, he, you know, the, one of the things he told me, and I laugh when I think about it all the time is, is and by the way, some of these um, sort of paraphrasing, because in some cases he told it, said it to me in Italian, but I mean, he basically said, hey, it's what you do when no one's watching that counts. And I remember laughing, saying, hey, dad, you just ruined it. That's the best part. No one's watching. And he looked at me and he said, there's always two people watching. He said, the man upstairs and the person looking in the mirror. And I, I, that stuck with me so much. It's that person looking in the mirror. And although you may, things may not go the way you always want them to go, it may not be a perfect day, but you have to always be able to look in the mirror and have you know, the ability to look in the mirror and say, you know, I did the best I could. It may, I may not have been perfect. It may not have gone the way I want, but I could put my head in a pillow at night and know I've done things the right way. I've treated my people with dignity and respect. And I think that, you know, I may not be the most successful person that I would have liked to have been, but I've, I've done it the right way and I can look in the mirror. And I, and I thought that was so important to me. And then when you had those rough days and things didn't always go the way you want, and let's face it, through a long career, you're going to have those days. I think that that's, uh, that, that was so, that was so important. Mm -hmm. All of us have it. And of course, all the chatter these days around resilience uh, is around how do I recover and the fact that you know, you were going to have stuff that happens, are you going to wallow in it and be a victim, or are you going to take responsibility? So I appreciate that, Rocky. Now, when you were leaving high school, did you go to college, or did you go directly into UPS and starting to work for them? No, I went to uh, went to college. My dad had said to me, "Rest his soul." He said, "Look, you know, one of my kids is going to go to college, and it's you. You're the oldest, but we don't have a lot of money." So uh, I knew I had to work my way through school. And UPS at that time had part-time opportunities, and they had a promotion from within policy, which I took advantage of. And so I actually was going to high school, I actually was going to college, excuse me, to be a high school history teacher and a baseball coach. And I thought, okay, I'll work my way through college at UPS. And one of the things that I noticed, Dr. Ken, along the way was that those successful managers were those managers who, who could get their people to connect the dots. They were the best teachers as leaders and I, and they were coaches they they coached their people and i thought to myself i'm really not giving up my teaching coaching passion i'm just my classroom is just in a different location it's just a different setting instead of in the more traditional you know teaching setting it's going to be in a business setting because i enjoyed 
that I enjoyed the business side of it. I enjoyed managing people, uh, but more importantly, I enjoy teaching people. And so I never gave up my pe- teaching passion or my coaching passion. I just did it in a different uh, location. And I, and, and so I worked my way up through UPS's promotion from within policy. Well, now how did you get to UPS in the first place? So you started straight out of high school. Was it just there? Was it convenient or was there some kind of intentionality? No, no, no. One of the guys on a baseball team, Mike Coffey, a good friend of mine still to this day, got the first job at UPS. And and then literally and at that time, it was a, a good paying job. And and they had what I, you know, some people said it was a tuition reimbursement policy, but I it sort of really act like a uh, sort of a uh, retention absentee policy. Every uh, 90 working every 90 working days, you got a hundred dollar bonus, which was a test program at UPS at the time. This is 1976. So it was a test program at the time. And so you never took any days off, right? Because you wanted your hundred days. It was 90 working days and you got a hundred dollar bonus. And so I used that for my books and, and, and also to, you know, part of the tuition and those kinds of things. And so Mike got the job first. And then really literally at one point, you know, there was eight or nine, 10 of us. I don't remember the exact number at this point. Now high school, uh, we all graduated Wilbur High School. and We're all working at UPS. Wow. So when you think about that, what did you end up finishing with your degree? Did you end up finishing as a teacher or did you go in a different direction for your final degree? I ended up changing my degree to uh, management, executive uh, leadership, it was called at that time, and graduated with a four-year degree in in leadership management uh, from St. John's University. And St. John's was a commuter college. The main campus was in Queens, Jamaica, Queens, as you know today, it's still there. And then they had a satellite campus. I lived in Jersey, and there was a satellite campus in Staten Island, which allowed me the chance to drive to and from work and still worked the twilight shift at UPS, the five to nine shift at UPS. I went to school during the day. Yeah, so I had the opportunity to work. I start, was working the twilight shift as I was working my way through college. And that was the five to nine shift. So I went to school during the day and then drove to Staten Island, which was a really easy commute for me at the time where I lived in Jersey. And then uh, we had the chance at times to work what we called a double shift. You could work the second shift, the midnight shift. So I would work the nine grab an hour lunch and then work 11 to 2 in the morning and then hit school the next day. So I really got a chance to take care of with limit with very small amount of loan because obviously it was so much cheaper back in those days. So because working double shifts, I had a chance to do that. So Man, you must have been one tired puppy by the time you got to class the next day. Yeah, I just never thought about it, right? It's like uh, you just think about, hey, doing what you got to do and uh, – you know, let's you know. In those days, my dad was like, "Hey, you got to take care of yourself. You got to take care of the family. You got to do the. You got to take care of the things you need to take care of." So, to me, I was always a head down, chopping wood kind of guy. Mm, so, work ethic is involved. So, here we go. We're now in UPS, and congratulations! Now, you you were there for 36 years. You end up being uh, the president of the supply chain division. So, take us through this journey, and what were some of the things you were learning? So we can reverse engineer it for the listeners because we want to make sure that our shows not only create story but create value. What are some of the things you were doing? Also, some of the things that you would recommend that we not do (laughs) that you learned along the way. So you're now there. They had this internal sort of promotion. You finished university. What were some of the things that were going on there that you can share with the listeners that they can apply to their lives and their their positions? Well, well, the first thing was that in 
in those days, you had to be a driver before you could become a full-time supervisor. And so, you know, when, when I got tapped on the shoulder for the opportunity to be a full-time supervisor, I had to drive first and be a, a driver. And I drove in Plainfield, New Jersey, with less than a year, and uh, was absolutely a wonderful job. I enjoyed it. And what I learned from that experience was so valuable, I kept it throughout my career and used it throughout my career. And that was, it's important for you to take the time to learn the job from the grassroots and actually do the job. And it does a couple things for you. A, it gives you credibility, but B, it shows the respect to those individuals doing the job that you care enough uh, about understanding what they do, that you're willing to take the time to learn it. And so I became a driver who was a very good driver. And so when I became a full-time supervisor and had to manage other drivers or manage other people inside the organization, I understood what was going on inside the organization because I did the job. I understood how to deliver a package, which was our, our primary, you know, uh, business at the time at UPS. Do you think uh, there's a Rocky? Do you think there's a disconnect from uh, leaders in many different professions now or companies where they actually don't know what their team is doing? Oh, absolutely. I think there's a disconnect between leaders and I think there's disconnect between people who believe what they do is they see where you are right now and they want, oh, I want that job. I'd like to be that person at that level at that pay grade. Well, what they what they fail to realize is all the work that went into you got there and what, what you did and the sacrifices you made along the way. And so uh, absolutely. I'm, I'll give a quick example, Dr. Ken. Um, you know, I was working my way through UPS and one of the most, you know, I got some very significant opportunities inside UPS. Some of the non-traditional things inside UPS, for example, we purchased mailboxes, et cetera, and then, you know, subsequently rebranded to the UPS store. Uh, that was a direct report to me at that time inside UPS. Now, I knew nothing about franchising. I knew nothing about being an entrepreneur. Uh, so the first thing I did was grab an apron and go work a day in the store. It was no, no reason for me to, to run around and start acting like I'm the guy in charge because, first of all, anybody that does that always loses their people. And secondly, the first thing I wanted to do was try to get some sense of understanding of what takes place in the store and how does it work. Now, clearly, the people inside the store or any of those responsibilities that you're taking the time to learn, they recognize that you're not going to have that skill that they have. And I recognize that I'll never have that skill as that, as that owner does. But what I wanted to do was try to get an understanding of what happens on a day-to-day -day basis and more importantly say to them, I respect and value the things that you do. And so I want to at least take the time to get out here and try to understand it and try to learn it out of respect for what you do. And I think that's what's, that's what's so important. And I have to tell you, you know, I have such great respect for entrepreneurs because these are people who are absolutely all in. You know, they take everything they own in life and slide it across the table and say, I'm starting my own business. I'm buying this franchise or I'm starting this business. That's the ultimate all in. Now, in, as you know, inside large companies, everybody says, well, I have P&L responsibilities. You know what? That's not like being an owner, right? An owner, at the end of the day, hits the cash register, the draw opens, they pay their people, they pay their vendors. What's left in that cash register is what they take home to their family. That's the absolute all in. And I have to tell you, I've never had that responsibility or never had that feeling. So I have great respect for entrepreneurs because until you've done that, you can understand it. You can say you have P&L responsibilities, but until you've been that small business owner like them who have done that, 
I think you got to take a step back and have nothing but the greatest respect and admiration for the small business owner because of what they've done and, and that degree to which they're all in. And of course, we see that, Rocky, in <clears throat> government agencies where there's just no respect for money or how things are done because it's, it's not coming out of their house, their car, their family. Uh, there's literally no accountability. So we see <clears throat> that. Now, you are an entrepreneur now as a keynote speaker, consultant, uh, training company. So you do have uh, some of that uh, going on for you now, don't you? Yes, sir, but not to the degree that they do. And so, as, so I understand it. Uh, you, you know, you have those anxious moments, but not to the degree they do or during the time in my life when, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're thinking about putting food on the table or can I send my, you know, child to college and you know, those kinds of things. And so while I, I completely agree that I understand it better now that I'm an entrepreneur, even better than I did when I was working with the wonderful franchisees inside the UPS store. Uh, but I, I will never, ever, you know, uh, lose respect for or take for granted what they do and, and the admiration I have mm -hmm. for them. So. <clears throat> well, I get that as an entrepreneur for nearly 40 years, so I get that, um, that you kind of put it all in and some people don't even really uh, get it, but it also is part of our makeup, our DNA. So with that, Rocky, what are some of the things you learn from the franchisees the ones that were most successful, what was it that they were doing beyond what you've shared already? And what were you doing to build relationships with them that the listeners could embrace and apply in their life or their business or their leadership situation? Well, the first thing I learned is, as we just talked about, that whole concept of all in. They're so committed. They're, they, um, you know, they're the they're so committed to their business and, and I think that they understand their business. And so, uh, and, and so I, uh, we, uh, we had such great respect for them inside the UPS store network that, you know, we're, we, the UPS store is one of the few, few franchise ors that, that ha they, they have no company owned stores. And the reason for that is we quickly recognize that nobody does it better than an entrepreneur. And, and so we said, listen, they're the ones that need to run the store, not us in corporate, not us sitting up here, you know, and, you know, as, as, he, as you've heard people say before about corporate in the ivory tower. No, no. Mm -hmm. if you, you, exactly. If you want your brand represented properly, it's that front it's the frontline person who represents the brand best. And that's the same inside a corporation, right? When I, when we would move around, I moved nine times with UPS around the country on different responsibilities, different assignments. And every time we moved, you know, Debbie's you know, very very social and she has great personality. We'd always get invited to somebody's house for for, you know, for a party or whatever, or meet the neighbors kind of idea. And people would say, oh, you know, how'd you get here? I moved my company. Who do you work for? UPS. And then the next thing happened that always made me, gave me such great pride, but said so much about the company. And people would say to me, hey, you know my driver. Now think about it. There's 75,000 drivers out there. They want to know whether I knew their driver. Well, that told me that that driver is representing the brand. They execute the brand promise. It's not the CEO of the company. And you learn that from working with entrepreneurs that, that they represent the company, right? They represent the brand. They represent the business. They're, they're, the, they're, they're the senior leader, the most, the closest to the customer. And so inside of large organizations, anything you can do 
to drive that feeling down to that front line. To who's closest to your customer? That's the person that you need to make sure they understand your values, your ethics, what you stand for. What are the you know who are you as a company? What do you stand for as a company? And what are the things you won't compromise as a company? And frankly, people need to do that same thing. We talked about integrity. That same thing happens with a leader. Who am I as a leader? What do I stand for as a leader? And, and what are the things they won't compromise? And you and I know, Dr. Cannon, it's in the papers all the time. Those companies that get themselves in trouble, they can tell you who they are, <clears throat> what they stand for. I'm sure if you and I walked around the cafeteria, there's posters all over the place, there's all that stuff. Number three is the one you always get challenged on. What, you know, what won't you compromise? And it's the same as a leader. And so I think that what I learned from those entrepreneurs are they're the closest to the, they stay closest to the customers. They understand who they are. They understand their values and they understand what they're trying to accomplish as a small business owner. And if you can drive that feeling, that vision, uh, that ability to, to kind of execute the brand promise, uh, if you can drive that through an organ, a larger organization, then that's really the secret sauce. Mm-hmm. Well, we, you know, everybody's talking about, <clears throat> excuse me, about engagement or connection. And it's so important to do it no matter, you know, what business you're in. And like you said, the experiences with that frontline person, not with the CEO who is not usually meeting with clients. Now with that, Rocky, here you have 36 years with UPS. What prompted you to start your own consulting firm? Well, you know, I had, uh, there were some things that happened in between. Uh, what happened, you know, I retired, you know, did some, some more non-traditional things at UPS. I had the UPS store network, then ended up, uh, as, as you had mentioned, became the president. So I was the president of retail when I had that. Then I was the president of the supply chain when I had, we, we bought over, you know, 20 companies and uh, built what's today UPS supply chain solutions and did those kinds of things, the traditional supply chain things. And then, uh uh, retired from UPS after 36 years and was recruited to be a CEO of, of a company. And we was a telecom company. We built cell towers, upgraded cell towers, did some installation work, sold that company. And then I said, you know what? I've, I've had such a, uh, I've had a great career, fortunate to meet some wonderful people, learn some very interesting things along the way. Why not help small businesses? Why not help other companies? And that to me is this whole concept of legacy. You know, do you leave things a little better than you found them? Are people better because of their time with you? And so for me, I thought if I could, through my keynote speaking or our leadership training programs and some of our process improvement consulting, if we could take the things that we learned along the way and help other small businesses or help other businesses. And then for me, the keynote speaking is sort of the extension of my passion for teaching as, as yours. You know, because when you're doing a keynote speak or your speech or you're doing a leadership training workshop, I mean, you're really looking to see or, or you know, are the light bulbs going off or people connecting the dots. There's no better feeling than seeing people connect the dots. And so for me, that was, you know, I thought, well, do I want to go into another business? Do I want to, you know, work at another business? You know, got some opportunities to be an interim CEO, CEO. And I thought, you know what? to me, a better way to spend my time and energy would be to help other businesses or to help other people through either the leadership training, keynote speaking or the, or the consulting. So that's, that was the vision there. Well, thank you for that, Rocky. Now you've written the book, Titan, the lug nuts. So what is this book about? What are you sharing with us there? What are the insights for the, for the reader? 
Well, I think that we all have concerns about leadership at one time or another, and we're all leaders at one time or another. And I think, unfortunately, what happens is people believe leadership is reserved for people with titles. I don't believe that at all. I think we're all leaders, whether as parents or grandparents or godparents, whatever, uh, or as, you know, the little league coach or, or soccer coach, head of the PTA pick something. And I believe we have, there are individual contributors who are great leaders by the way they do their work or the, by the way they impact other people uh, in the way they interact with them or the way they mentor train them through their actions. And so for me, I believe we all have, you know, leadership is something we all do at one time or another. And I, and I always believe that there are some really some core values and some core principles about, uh, about being a good leader. And I think the, it starts with those simple acts of kindness. I think it starts with who you are as a person, you know, what you stand for as a person and what are the things you won't compromise as a person. So I think that that's, what's so important. It, that starts the, I think that process of being a good leader. Are you a good person? Do you treat people with dignity and respect? And I, and so the book starts out that way with lessons that my dad, as we talked about before, taught me, you know, treat people with dignity and respect. Can you look in the mirror at night? It's what you do and no one's watching accounts and those, those kinds of things. And, and if you think about it, what are some of those skills of great leaders or, or people who are successful as leaders at any level in any role? One is they're good communicators. They have the ability to be effective in their communications. They connect with people. Isn't that the same as a good neighbor or as a good parent or as a good person? You want to be a good communicator. And I, you know, so I think that's what's so important. I think what's important is being, a, you know, you're a person who can help people develop themselves and develop their skills. Well, as a parent, we're trying to help our kids develop into better people someday. They, we don't necessarily need them to be mini-me's, but they, you want them to be the, the most effective person that they can be. And so I think you're helping them develop their skills and the same happens uh, in leadership roles. And I we, think we do see that gap, sorry to interrupt Rocky, but we do see that gap in, I'll call it parental leadership where first of all, the parents don't have the skills to even teach somebody else. And then, or they just acquiesce to have the sin of omission when it comes to them. Yet they are leaving a legacy with their kids of something where they're not developed or haven't um, had integrated some of these character traits you've talked about. Well, you know, it's funny. Take, take, if we took a step back and talked about some of the leaders that we, we interacted with, uh, you coached along the way or I may have coached along the way or potentially worked for at different times in our lives, right? And so... I think it really comes down to what your belief is as a person and as a leader of what success is. I think that once you define success, then the rest starts to make a little bit of sense. And what I mean by that, for me, success is, you know, the number of people I may have developed along the way. Are people better because of their time with me? Are things better because of their time with me? Now, some people count success as how many cars you have, how many houses you have, how much money did you make? So, so that's one form of success. If that's what your, uh, if that's what your vision of success is, well, then, then you, then you're going to look at, you know, what, what are the things that you did have done to be successful? You may not have de developed one individual. You may not have promoted anybody. You may not have helped somebody, uh, become a better, uh, better leader or a better employee or a better person, whatever those things are, you probably don't view mentoring mentorship as one of the most, uh, critical skills that you can work on. 
if, if your answer of success is or your belief of success is that I leave things a little better than I found them or people better because of their time with me. Uh, yeah. You know, kind of like you think about in sports coaches, you have these coaches trees, you know, you, you and I can think about pe- companies or people that we work for, you know, people, yeah, I worked for Rocky one time. I worked for Dr. Ken at one time. Oh yeah. I was, uh, I, you know what? It, so you have that legacy of of the impact that you've made as a leader and if that's what you count as success well then the 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 way you go about being successful is a little bit different right Mm. well you use the word uh, thank you rocky you you use the word legacy a fair amount in your work Uh, talk to the listeners about that and what you mean by that and how that's sort of foundational to the leadership principles and organizational principles you're teaching well, uh, for, so for me, it's, it's this, that concept is so important, right? Did you leave things, things a little better than you found them? Are people better because of their time with you? And it's funny, I'll get the opportunity to speak with, you know, obviously like you, large groups and keynotes, but what I really enjoy are those opportunities to speak at colleges. You know, I, I do some work at Seton Hall University. I've done some work at Northwestern during my time at UPS. And then, you know, now I'm, you know, I'll interact with high school seniors and they always ask me, you know, what, you know, you know, can, can you give me a thought on, you know, I'm getting out there in a workplace and, you know, what are some of the things I should think about doing and how should I go about doing it? I always tell them the same. I always say to them, think of the word, you want someone to use at the end of your career. Now you could argue that could be, you know, your legacy, but, but think of the word you want someone to use at the end of your career. Now, when I, when I think about you and some of the podcasts that I listened and, you know, you, you, you certainly could use grateful, maybe thoughtful, you know, your love for learning is three words, but learning, you know, integrity, those kinds of things. What's the word? For me, the word is thoughtful. I want people to view me as a thoughtful leader. And I tell people that all the time. Think of the word you want someone to use at the end of your career. Well, whatever that word is that's going to be on your tombstone, you spend your whole career without realizing it. If, you, if that really is the word that you want someone to use to define you, you start to build that mosaic of who you are by that word. So for me, thoughtful, I wanted people, I wanted to think through the consequences. I wonder how the, my decisions impacted not only our customers, but our people, our shareholders and our stakeholders. And so for me, that's the legacy, right? Who are you? That, what's your brand? You know, if I, if I set a product name, you immediately think of that brand and what that brand promise is. Well, your legacy is your brand in my mind, and it's what your brand promise is. And if I, if I started working for you, Dr. Ken, and I called a friend who worked for you, and I said, hey, I'm gonna, I got an opportunity to work with Dr. Ken. Can you tell me a little bit about Dr. Ken? They would give me a list of three, four, five things about you. Hey, you know, this, this, and this. Well, that's your brand. That's your brand promise. That's who you are and what you stand for. And so that becomes, you know, the brand of Dr. Ken and the brand promise. And so for me, that becomes your legacy. Well, when you think about it, Rocky, and just a a point to attach to your comment is that every single person listening to this podcast has a legacy brand, if you want it or not. It just might not be what you want it to be. And what you're talking about is, can I be intentional with the direction of what I'm doing? Do I even know what I want that legacy to be? So we, we link it around credibility that every single person that you've interacted with has a opinion of high, medium, or low of you, but do you even know what that is? And oh, that's, yeah. 
Well, it's true. And I was going to say, I know you talk a lot about integrity and we all, you know, it's, it's, it's hard not to, as a leader and, and a leader that's, that's trying to make a difference is, is to talk about integrity. And I love when you talk about the fact that integrity is more than just the numbers. Integrity is integrity of your word. You know, you, I told you I'd give you a call. Did I, you know, I answered it. You know, you sent me an email with an important response that was necessary. Did I respond back? And so it's integrity, not only of the obvious, you know, numbers and, you know, and reports, but also, you know, integrity of your word of who you are. But, but when you don't do those things, you know, you really violate your brand promise, right? You break your brand promise. And once that brand is tarnished, I mean, I think if you went and looked at, I'm sure Wells Fargo, you know, when they think about all they went through over a 150 year old company, I mean, you think about how long it took them to build that brand and how, you know, how quickly it is to lose that brand. It's the same with a person. When you, when you break your brand promise, you know, look at how you lose, you know, look at how you, it changes uh, who you are and what you stand for and how people view you and how people trust your word then at that point. Well, you alluded to sports. And if I say the word Tiger Woods, from a decade ago when he went through all of that, his brand really got tarnished in a hurry. Or if we say something like Wall Street after 2007, 2008, of course, what do people think, right? So all of that's out there. So for the listeners, now we have about eight minutes left, Rocky. So before we get into the last parts of your book, how can people get a hold of you? What's your site and how could they find out more about you? And then just tell them where they can get your book as well. Oh, thank you very much, Dr. Ken. So uh, my website is www. It's the number three and the word 60, S-I-X-T-Y, managementservices.com. It's a very interactive site. There's probably over 40 videos there. Uh, the one video I'm the most proud of, I had the opportunity uh, during my tenure at UPS to spend about four hours with legendary coach John Wooden. And we actually did a video together, and uh, it's about an hour interview with Coach Wooden, and it's up on my website. Just a legendary coach, just a, a, a gentleman, a professional. And during my time talking to Coach Wooden, I had said to him, hey, Coach, you know, uh, he was helping us out at UPS at the time, and I got to know him. And I said to him, hey, Coach, is there anything, you know, from a fee point of view? And he said, no, no, Rocky, you asked me to help you out, and I don't mind helping you out. I said, well, Coach, we, you know, is there anything you'd like us to do? And he said to me, you know, Rocky, he said, I w- I, would you guys mind making a donation to the Jimmy Valvano Fund? And of course, we said, absolutely, Coach, we would love to do that. And, and so we made, a, we made a good donation to the Jimmy V Foundation at the time. Well, once the book came out this year in 2019, I think it's the 25-year anniversary of, the, of uh, Jimmy Valvano's speech, uh, we donate a dollar for every book sold of Tighten the Lug Nuts in 2019 to the V Foundation to find the cure. So I think feel like, hey, I learned so much from Coach Wood and not only from the conversation, but from that way he handled that. And it wasn't about him. It was about the, the Jimmy V and the foundation. And so I learned from him through his actions. And so for me, I was my way of our way here at 360 to give back. So uh, so any purchase of the book, it's a great Christmas gift. It's a great gift. It's uh, a holiday gift. And so uh, we'll donate a dollar for, for this year to, to the Jimmy V Foundation. The book is on Amazon. I'm a self-published author, so it's on Amazon. Uh, and that's uh, barnesandnoble.com. Uh, of course, there's a Kindle version as well. So uh, uh, please feel 
please feel free to pick it up. And uh, the book is full of stories. As you can tell through our conversation today, everything has some story to it. And uh, I think you'll enjoy the story. And of course, the story of the title, Tighten the Lug Nuts, is in the book. And so I'll leave it. I won't give you the story, but uh, it's it's a story unto itself. And it's a lesson in there. So uh, on the title, Tighten the Lug Nuts. And so uh, and I'm on Twitter at uh, at 360 Management, MGT, and then Facebook, 360 Management, and on LinkedIn as well. My email address is Rocky, R-O-C-K-Y, Romanella, R-O-M-A-N-E-L-L-A at gmail.com. If you're, I get a lot of interaction from people who read the book or have questions or listen to the podcast, Dr. Ken, and will send me an email, hey, I've got this situation sure. going so, and then like, we'll have your uh, website in the show notes. So if some of you are driving right now and you quite didn't quite get it, uh, whatever platform you're on, the show notes, it should have uh, Rocky's uh, website in there. So as we sort of wrap up final thoughts, I really like our guest to be action-oriented for the listeners. So beyond what we've shared so far, what you have shared so far, Rocky, what are two or three or four things that you want to recommend to the listeners that they consider that they can actually do starting right after they listen to this show to take themselves to the next level based on your book and your history and your experiences so that they can realize uh, their potential? Well, I think the first thing is don't allow your strength to be your weakness. And that's one of the things that I learned from the franchisees and small business owners out there today. They're, if you think about the strength of a small business owner, uh, no one knows the business better than they do. No one's more committed than they are. Uh, no one's more all in than they are. Uh, what's their weakness? No one's more committed than they are. No one's all moral in than they are. And so I think every now and then you have to take that step back and make sure that your strength isn't becoming your weakness, right? So even though you're involved in the day-to-day and, and you're running that business day-to-day, you have to take that step back and understand from a strategic point of view, what do I want my business to look like in the next year to 18 months? So don't allow your strength to be your weakness would be w- one of those things. I think the other, th- you know, a couple other quick ones are clarity. I think as a leader, you you have to have clarity. You have to be specific in the things you're trying to do, be direct, keep your messages simple, and avoid those conflicting messages. And so I think, you know, Student Body Left, I, my book is, you know, Tighten the Lug Nuts, the Principles of Balanced Leadership. I think that's what's so important is keep good balance, right? Make sure your people, your customers, your share owners, your stakeholders are represented in all your decisions. I think the third one that's so important to me, and I talk about it a lot in my book, I talk a lot about it on keynotes, is one of the things I think is important as a leader is part of what you're trying to do is, is, is to you know, kind of in a positive way, not have your people stop at the first right answer. I think what happens too often, our people bring us a great idea, but they stop at the first right answer. And part of what you're trying to do is challenging them in a positive way, how not to stop at that first right answer. Uh, Because if you can go past that first right answer, sometimes you, you know, uncover some of the unintended consequences, you look at things from a deeper, wider perspective. And so I think you want to accept only a person's best as the person that, you know, is mentoring, leading them, you know, working with them, you know, tr- try to be that person that only accepts a person's best and then, you know, 
I think, you know, kind of push people past that first right answer. And then, and fine. And the last thing would be is just remember, it's not about you. It's never about you as the leader. It's about your people. It's about your company, but it's never about you. And anytime you as a leader make it about you, it's when you lose your people. We've all sat in those meetings or work for those individuals who are, who sit there and say to you, Oh, you don't know how tough I got it. You don't know how difficult things are. And you say to yourself, Really? I mean, you you wanted this job. You accepted that that promotion and the additional responsibilities. And so once you start to make it about you, you lose all those people in your care. You know, and I never say people work for me. I always say people are in my care. And, and as an organization, people are in our care as the leaders of that organization. So those would be some things that come to mind quickly uh, as you ask me that question. These are the things that I, I guess you could argue then are my career values or the core things I think about when I, uh, when I think about that. Well, in, you know, in some of the documentation you sent to us before the show, and thank you for that, Rocky, you were talking about, you know, if you talked about clarity, all the research is clear about that, uh, pardon the pun on that, in that if I don't know my purpose, then it's very, very difficult to act on it. And so my encouragement to listeners is you know what you really stand for. And of course, the plan of the week or the day is, is destined to fail. The other one that you, is very important, Rocky, you mentioned is around, and it's a mindset, is that these people are under my care. You know, that's a shift to what is out there in many cases and what you hear about, of course, in the stories. The media just talks about some of those horrific things. Um, and you would, would really love politicians to say that, you know, my constituents are under my care. <laughs> Wouldn't we? <laughs> uh, that's certainly not true. So any, uh, So as we wrap this up, any final word to the Secrets of Success audience today, Rocky? I would say that, it, remember... Take inventory. It starts with you as the leader, right? My dad says it's the person looking in the mirror. So I would say if you think about it from that perspective, then start with those three questions that you answer about yourself. Who am I? What do I stand for? And what are the things I won't compromise? And so to your point, if integrity is one of those, you're going to be challenged on that at one way, shape, or form. It could be just simple as, rounding up on a number when you should be rounding down or you need to make that business plan and you know someone just gave you an answer that you know cannot be true or cannot be possible but you accept it because it got you the number that you needed and it's it's difficult at times but you're going to be challenged so you have to understand number three and you have to be able to understand that you're willing to take the good with the bad you're the you're that type of leader that sets the tone from the top and the can and you're the person that can accept bad news you have to be the type of person that can deliver it but you also have to be the person who has to accept it depending on what level you are inside the organization so well rocky uh, lots of uh, content, and obviously we can keep going, but we want our listeners to stay with us. So uh, we've uh, done our time. But So thank you very much for spending the time with us, Rocky. Oh, Dr. Ken, it was my pleasure. And if I can be helpful in any way, please don't hesitate to give me a call or your audience. Please don't hesitate to give me a call. You're welcome. Stay with us, Rocky. So Secrets of Success listeners, you know, my, my encouragement is, is take what Rocky has shared with you around what do you stand for what's your direction what are you not willing to compromise and if you actually don't know what that is then how could you stand for anything not as a judgment but just really more as an evaluation or observation 
Rocky's book is Titan the Lug Nuts. And so go online, find out more about that in 360 Management Services. You'll be able to find that online. We'll have it in the show notes. As always, we thank you for listening, leaving or sharing your most valuable commodity, your time. If you like what we're doing, share, pass it on, leave a positive review in whatever platform you're listening on. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Dr. Ken Keyes. Thanks for exploring the secrets of success with us. If you want to keep the momentum going, log on to crgleader.com. Scroll to the bottom and sign up for our inspirational emails. You can also take your success to the next level by following us on Facebook and Twitter and connecting with Ken on LinkedIn. We hope you have a great week and look forward to you joining us next time for the Secrets of Success podcast with Dr. Ken Keyes.